business and people. Your host, Walt Bayless. Let's get this show started. Welcome to the Agency Bud podcast. On the show, we talk to CEOs and founders, agency owners and business people about the challenges they've overcome and the steps they've taken to get to where they are. You can follow along at podcast.agencybud.com. On the show, we're going to be talking to somebody amazing. We're going to introduce that person in just a second. Don't forget to check out agencybud.com. Add in our software to your business and increase your recurring revenue with agencybud.com. Let's go and meet today's special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, joining me on the show today, I have one of the most stylish men I've ever had the privilege of interviewing. (laughs) He's funny. He's dynamic. He's a worldwide speaker. He's an authority on blockchain. He's an authority on social media and strategy and branding. He's a lecturer. He's been featured in so many publications. He's uh, famous all the way through Switzerland. He is joining me from Zurich. It is my great pleasure to interview and to introduce you to our good friend, Herman Ramirez. Roman, thank you so much for joining me, amigo. Thank you very much. Muchas gracias. Good, Great to good see you. Good having me. Thank you. Uh, you know, now, before I clicked on record, I, I complimented you. you. You have an incredible website there, which is therelevancehouse.com. This is a, 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 a fundamentally a marketing agency that's been, and, and PR that's been founded and, and really focused on the blockchain sort of niche, the vertical there within that uh, blockchain technology. And you've built an incredible following and dynamic kind of move forward in that space. How did the Relevance House get started for you? Um, Actually, our our journey in the blockchain space started um, many years before. And I personally have always been an absolute uh, passionate, curious person about emerging technologies, which drove me to start with internet and e-commerce uh, in the middle of the 90s before even Google was founded. And so I've always been fascinated by technology and, and new trends in technology. And um, as such, in 2013, I was one of the co-founders of one of the first blockchain startups in Switzerland. And it was far too early. The market wasn't really ready, so that company didn't fly. But ever since I've been working with my co-founder um, in, uh, in the space and in the field, she was very heavily involved already. And then all of a sudden, one day to 16, mostly to 17, blockchain started becoming uh, a topic in everyone's mouth, um, in everyone's mind, and in uh, in a whole, and the the, the craze around cryptocurrencies, etc., started popping up. And um, yeah, a lot of of companies started developing very interesting and promising uh, concepts. And what happened is we realized there was barely any substance in terms of uh, technologically, yes, but in terms of building businesses, building brands, um, communicating a proper story, and so on. It, it, it wasn't really there. Um, these companies were making noise rather than building you know, sustainable, r- relevant brands. And uh, that's what gave birth to, to uh, the Relevance House. We decided that for this industry to become, uh, for this market to become um, successful globally, for this technology to be broadly adopted, it does require um, a lot of education, sustainable brand building, storytelling, um, and cut a little bit away the whole technical mumble jumble and uh, explain concepts in a way that are easy to grasp, easy to understand, and basically make this technology 
relevant right. to to the to the world, and that's how it all started, basically. So your your background. I mean, uh, looking through, you started in two, uh, 2012 with uh, digital and social media strategy consulting and coaching with Spark and Strategy. You were one of the co-founders there. So you've taken a marketing know-how, like a real passion for branding and storytelling, and now moving it into that that blockchain technology, which I can which I can totally see. As I wind back through, you've got some incredible history there. So you've lectured. You've been more. Um, been a lecturer on digital strategy. You've been a lecturer on social media. You've been an entrepreneurialism and branding. How did how did that kind of passion for starting something, for getting it off the ground, and for telling that story and growing it into a company? How did that get into your psyche? Uh, it started from the very beginning. Um, actually, I um, what I've always had is an incredible amount of curiosity. If you if you want to really boil it down to something, it's curiosity. Uh, if everybody is going in one direction uh, and there is another direction to go, that's one I will try. I might be much more likely to fail through it, um, but failure is a great source of learning. Uh, and, uh, and you know, I can just not prevent it. I, I really cannot not try things out. Um, and uh, basically, that curiosity drove me, uh, as mentioned earlier, in 1995, 96, to discover the internet. Well, I didn't discover it. I discovered it for myself. Um, and uh, as such, I had been, uh, I started ba- building things. I, I built, uh, to my knowledge, the first e-commerce project of a Fortune 500 worldwide. And having started that early, I was talking to people about how I saw this technology changing the world. Uh, again, this was before Google was founded. And people didn't understand. So because of that, because of my conviction um, about how technology was going to change the world, I had to somehow develop an ability to translate very complicated technological concepts into stories that people understand, can relate to, because uh, otherwise nobody was going to buy into anything of what I was trying to do. Um, so I, I believe curiosity um, drove to pioneering or trying things out. And in order for that to get any traction with anybody, uh, I had to develop an ability to, to, to tell stories so that Fantastic. it would sound interesting. Fantastic. So now as we, as we move into Relevance House, and, and I just want to, to focus on that just for a moment, you have a, an incredible agency there and you, you're the, the chief relevance officer. Obviously, you have your co-founder there as well. You, you've built an amazing team and now your role is to, to take emerging companies and tell their stories, build them into successful brands, developing their campaigns and developing their marketing. When, when you're putting these strategies together for, for companies, obviously you're drawing on your own experience of that curiosity and, and, and having to tell those stories. How do you convey that to a, to a startup founder, a genius, uh, a blockchain developer who's created something amazing and, and now you have to tell them the real truth about getting their story out into the marketplace. How do you work with your clients and, and help them understand the message that they have to get across? You're just pointing the finger on probably one of the most challenging uh, um, aspects of our, of our work. We work with companies that are very disruptive, very innovative, but most of the time indeed heavily technically or technologically driven. Um, and these founders have a lot of experience on their technology, on their market. But very seldom you find people with true experience in brand building and in marketing. And that's okay because that's what we do, right? However, the importance of marketing, branding, storytelling, and doing it right is oftentimes underestimated. 
I usually say that getting um, a, tech, a tech company founder to take decisions about marketing is like sending a beer drinker to buy a bottle of wine. Um, <laughs> if, if you really have no idea, you're going to be struggling. It's all going to look the same. Um, and the difference between a good wine and bad wine is usually not the size of the bottle or the design of the label. Um, it's really understanding about it. And that's, that's a key challenge. Now, um, what we do most of the time is we, we sit down and explain to them what the importance is or what, what the difference is between building a product and creating a brand. Because you, as a technology founder, you are developing a product or a service based on technology. But consumers um, or your target group, whoever that is, doesn't buy products or services. You buy, a, you buy a story. You buy a brand. When I buy a shampoo, I'm not buying uh, 10 sites diluted with alcohol and some pre-vitamin B5 that will make it more comfortable. I'm dry. I'm buying shine. I'm buying volume. I'm buying beauty. I'm buying self-confidence. That's the difference between a story and a product, a brand and, and a service. And that's what you try to get across. Um, and uh, so far, uh, we are, you know, we are, we, we are, we seem to be finding uh, ways to get that, uh, to get that message over. Uh, and you know, people understand then uh, that there is importance in marketing. Sooner or later, they end up coming to that conclusion. Absolutely. So, Herman, you, you have incredible talented people with you in the team at the Relevance House. I was looking through some of the, the stories there of the, of the people. How did you assemble the group that is the Relevance House now? Um, basically, mostly through, uh, through our own network, through people that we met. Um, and uh, something that we are extremely proud about and we, we put a lot of uh, importance behind is, first of all, um, while we do work with freelancers here and there, we wanted to build a team that is, that is in-house, that meet every day. We are, we, in that sense, we are almost old-fashioned. Um, especially working in, a, in an industry that praises decentralization, which I also believe in. Uh, we are sitting together in a team, in a room. We are brainstorming together. We work together every day. Um, of course, we were in lockdown during Corona, but uh, in general, that gives building a culture, building a team delivers an absolutely different output in terms of quality um, and, uh, and having people that wanted to be part of that journey uh, was very important. Everyone in our team does have an, an incredible passion for, uh, for technology, for disruption, for innovation. And something that we also, uh, that was very important for us was also to make sure uh, we had a, a huge diversity. So we have um, basically all ages and of course all, all genders and directions we have uh, in, in our team we have eight different nationalities and it's just a team of nine people wow. um, so um, it, diversity is extremely important and not only diversity in terms of gender but diversity in terms of um, of origin of backgrounds um, of ages and, and, and everything nice so that was that, that's important too and I noticed that you're, you're hiring at the moment. You're looking for, you know, to grow that team or you, is that, an, is that a, a, an always state of affairs? Are you always hiring for the right person or is it just right now that you're, you're expanding? We are always hiring. Um, and actually, we, we believe and uh, we try to work with what we call uh, a talent pipeline. And based on the speed with which our business moves, 
Um, sometimes it might take forever for a project to decide to engage with us, and they might not even engage with us at all after a while. But um, it's not rare that someone would come to the door and say, we've heard great things about you, or we've seen what you guys have done with this or that project and uh, would like to work with you. The thing is, we're starting our fundraising campaign in four weeks. Or we are, you know, we are launching our beta product in a month. Or, in, or, so, or actually, we did, yet, we did so yesterday. And we simply forgot that thing called marketing. Could you please... Um, so do you get that a lot? Really Sorry, I don't, to... I don't mean to cut you off, but I would imagine yeah. in your industry, do you get that a lot? That that would happen you know, frequently. Like, oh, we need a pitch deck. You know, like to, we're meeting absolutely. with investors tomorrow. Absolutely, absolutely. And the, the best time to start properly with with brand building, with marketing, with uh, is actually at the inception of the company. Mm. Um, but very few people do that from the very beginning. Um, and, uh, and sometimes, or companies oftentimes believe, and this is, you know, I'm not a coder, so I wouldn't be able to judge if, if code is good or not, uh, but these people are not brand builders, and therefore, they cannot judge necessarily. And so you would think, oh, all right, we got it all together, right? Um, we just now, we, we want to start a campaign. So um, could you prepare a press release and make an announcement? Uh, we're going live in two weeks. It's like... Um, Usually, to do it right, it's gonna. T- it would take, and this is this is a true story. That in order to really do it right, um, if you want to prepare properly, you're probably gonna need somewhere around three months. That is a perfect timing where you can get all your ducks in a row. We can dissect your brand, find the positioning, create the story. Eventually, we've, we've sometimes even changed the name of companies because they would not fit with the story that we were trying to to, to put together. Um, and so, yeah, you give us three months and, you know, there is nothing we cannot put together. Uh, you give us three weeks and it's going to be a challenge. You give us three days, um, <laughs> uh, we can only do us <laughs> Exactly. So yeah. it, it's um, th- these kind of things have happened um, where we've had, you know, pr- the press conference was announced already or the product launch was announced already, but someone simply forgot to book a room and invite, you know, and... and uh, and, and, and get the food together. So nice. yeah, that happens a lot. I, I would imagine so. And and in, in that dynamic industry that you were in with, with the blockchain startups and, and people coming through in that space, that's so fast. It's such a, a as we said, a high tech industry. Do you, do you take on board every client that walks through your doors with an amazing idea? How many times do you, do you hear the pitch and say, yeah, come back to me when you're serious. Versus, wow, this is going to change the world. Let's let's do something together. Uh, quantifying that would be literally out of my butt. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry for that. Um, but yeah, in eighty percent of all projects, um, in, or in eighty percent of all cases, people are not really uh, are not really ready. Yeah. Most of the time, when when people when they think they're ready, they they, they are not. Yeah. Um, so actually, we we turned down and looked into more projects, um, and that we end up turning down eventually or not working with than than not. And it has also to do with the fact that in order to be able to have um, that quality of, of of talent in our company, and that and we're talking about Switzerland, which is not famous for having for being a, a cheap labor market, um, to say the least. And that's in order to be able to work with companies that are tight on funding uh, in a hurry 
um, and still maintain a huge uh, um, level of quality and experience in the team, we are usually investors in the projects that we are uh, working with. So we have skin in the game. Fantastic. That basically means if the project doesn't work, we might even lose money or not make money. Um, and therefore, we are not an agency that you pay by the hour. Uh, we are a strategic partner. And if, if we don't believe in the project, we are not going to put our time behind it because we might end up losing money. So Fantastic. if I wouldn't work, I wouldn't invest in your company, I'm not going to work with you. Nice. Wow. I was going to ask that. that that's a fascinating thought because I've, I've talked to so many uh, amazing agency uh, owners and entrepreneurs in similar positions to yourself. And one of the, the rules that they always have is work with the clients that can afford to pay for the service, right? Like, I mean, that, that makes sense. And a lot of the startups that, that are coming through your doors have, you know, they're, they're pre-round, they're uh, pre-raise, they're, they're working with an idea and, and uh, just skeleton thoughts and ideas. So my question was going to be, are you then contacting or connecting them with an investment network as well as creating their story? But you're also forming a part of that investment network. So you're, you're really making sure that these guys are getting off the ground with the best possible team behind them. That is true. That is indeed true. Fantastic. Um, it's... It, I, you know, it's, I don't think that anybody should be, or companies that basically charge you by the hour, whether, or by the day or whatever it works by project, and whether what it is they do works or not, um, I believe will, will basically stop existing at some mm-hmm. point in the future. Uh, one of the challenges that I've always seen uh, behind marketing, and this is Henry Ford, and we're talking about Henry Ford, right? Uh, he was, this is quite a while ago, he said. I know that I'm throwing away 50% of my marketing budget, but I don't know which 50%. That I believe is that that's that I believe is unacceptable. Yeah. Um, you know, you if you don't believe in what it is you're doing, if you don't, if you're not creating an impact, um, then you shouldn't be. You know, you shouldn't be making money on it. Yeah, right. Um, you and uh, and that's our philosophy, and that is not uh, not very typical, or actually relatively unique. But that's also the only way that you can work with these companies. Yeah. If you really have absolutely no budget, nothing, um, then you, you might struggle to get anything done because uh, you know one one thing is to not be able to launch a campaign or not. If you have absolutely nothing, not even friends or family or seed or or anything, um, you're then you probably with- yeah you, you're going to struggle. You, you are going to struggle. Um, so- but yes, uh, there is a sweet spot. I understand completely. So can I rewind a little bit? You, you started the Relevance House in 2018. Um, mm-hmm. And tell me about that first few months of, uh, of being in operation. Obviously, you, you've come from being with um, Spark and Strategy. Like, you know, you had that already existing. And then the Relevance House was something new that you created. Tell me about that mm-hmm. startup, that first kind of 90 days. How, how did it all go? Was it difficult? Was it easy? Did you have clients falling over you or did you have to go hunting for them? <laughs> Um, actually, in the, we started the company uh, officially in 2018, but we had been working in this space actually under the Relevance House as a project uh, for almost a year by then. Nice, okay. So, um, yeah, I, my former company, Spark and Strategy, uh, remain, which still exists, um, remained or was kind of the, the harbor under which we created the concept of the Relevance House. We wanted to qualify whether our servicing, our service offering, our methodologies, um, and everything we developed, our blueprints and so on, whether they 
had a market, whether they were unique, whether there was an interesting for them or not. So for before we actually started hiring our people and started, you know, officially creating the company, we had been already operate operational uh, for nearly a year uh, under just a project name, the Relevance House. Um, the story existed, but we wanted to make sure that it worked. This is what startups do themselves all the time. You do a, an MVP, you do a beta test, you you first have a closed user group uh, with which you qualify whether your software is buggy or whether your solution is relevant or not, and then you go out. So nice. we did exactly the same. And by the time we actually you know, opened offices, uh, officially created the company um, as an incorporation uh, and started hiring our people, uh, we already had clients, we already had validated our tools, uh, found that our approach and blueprints and frameworks were uh, quite unique and highly, uh, um, how you say, uh, needed. And so it, from there on, of course, it's been a bumpy road. Whoever tells the opposite is a liar um, <laughs> or, or has inherited a, a ton yeah. um, but you know because building something is always a bumpy road from scratch but it, we we were already on a runway nice so this is this is a great story to to create that kind of uh framework as you said in within um the the spark and strategy group and then see that it's working see that there's a need and then you know go full out into it herman i, I noticed that you describe yourself as a serial entrepreneur mm-hmm. somebody that starts Something, you know, you just have a passion for doing that from the ground up, from getting started. And I also notice when I look at your site, your personal site, which is herman-ramirez.com, you are uh, prolific in your uh, talking on stage. You, you have rooms full of people talking to them about branding, marketing, strategy, and entrepreneurialism. What is it about being an entrepreneur that lights the fire for you? Um. I wouldn't be able to not want to challenge the status quo. Um, that's, a, you know, I, I was, this is something that you, uh, a lot of people know it out there. Um, you, you never really fit it into any drawer when you were a kid. Um, uh, teachers used to hate you because you were asking one too many questions um, rather than just, you know, nodding and learning whatever it is they were telling you. Um, you were, you know, um, you you you've been there. You're there are a type of people out there that like to build things, like to challenge the status quo. Uh, rules are there not to be obeyed, but to be questioned, and eventually obeyed or changed. Um, and you know, if if you have that kind of mentality, you can't do anything different than building stuff. Um, and and. Entrepreneurship is not a matter of whether you are self-employed or not, because I've considered myself an entrepreneur even when I have worked for large corporations. Mm-hmm. And now there is a word for that. Uh, back in the day, I used to be a pain in the ass or a rebel. Um, <laughs> today, t- today you're called intrapreneur, and yeah. it's so cool that now there is a word for everything that that, that, uh, that was difficult to explain back in the day. So it's more a mentality. It's a question of mindset. It's not a question of um, of under what legal compound are you operating? Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of people out there and most entrepreneurs that I know um, experience that. They they know it's a bumpy road, but they kind of cannot not try to change the world Absolutely. Um, in a way, you know, even if it's a small little tiny thing or it might be a gigantic leap, but um, 
it's something that's it's kind of in your in your thinking. I, so, I agree with you yeah. completely. So, um, what do you what do you love to talk to a room full of people about? You have an opportunity with, let's say, uh, a, a group of students who are finishing their university studies. It's their final, uh, you know, period in that in that environment. They're about to go out into what we like to call the real world and make a difference uh-huh. and uh, and do all that kind of thing. You have an opportunity to stand on stage and talk to that group. What would you love to chat to those people about? Um. Wow. Um, first of all, or pr- probably um, all, all the mistakes that you can do. Um, uh, probably I would sit in front of them and tell them about my, my many, many, many failures. Uh, I think that's what they could benefit from the most. People love to talk about their successes, um, but about fail- failures is, tend to be the better, uh, the better lessons driver. So, uh, that's something actually in the University of St. Gallen, which is a kind of, you know, a quite, a quite highly regarded university here in Switzerland. Um, I, I've done a couple of sessions uh, there uh, about entrepreneurial fuck ups. Um, and actually, I call it like that because that's exactly how it feels. And sorry for my language. Um, <laughs> no, but, we've got an explicit rating on the podcast. We've been clean all these years. <laughs> perfect. Oh, you, you should have told me beforehand. No, no, no. no. Oh, no. When you're interviewing entrepreneurs, to keep it as a clean podcast, it's not. <laughs> it's never going to happen. I, I usually open my keynote saying that I apologize for using bad language, and that there is a, a study from MIT that proves that people who use bad language are more trustworthy. So, <laughs> <Beautiful>. <laughs> Go with that. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, no, entrepreneurial fuck-ups. I think that is, um, you know, all, all the mistakes that you can make and breaking a number of myths. There are incredibly many misconceptions and myths uh, out there in the world. Uh, and, uh, and you know, I would basically invite everyone to 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 challenge always and question always everything and, uh, and basically share with them your mistakes and your failures because that's what people can learn most of. I love it. One of the things that, that intrigued me, and I'm glad we've kind of circled back to it, was within our, the first five minutes of, of our call today, you mentioned the, the failures and, and that was part of the molding process that brought you to where you are. And now we've come back full circle in the opportunity to speak about those. Tell me, Herman, so I can tap into the wisdom. I mean, this is selfish for me. Being able to sit with you for, for a little bit is, is amazing. What's, what's, the, what's the biggest mistake that you've made and, and what did you learn from it and that, that you can share? Um, the, the mistake with probably the biggest implication um, was spending money I didn't have. Tell me about that. Uh, um, this was, um, we're talking, um, you know, I'm a... I'm a I'm a very old person. <laughs> I, in, in the middle of the new economy, um, I, I was a joint employee. As employee number two, I joined a startup back in the day in Germany that uh, basically ended up with 450 employees within less than 12 months. That was, uh, this was, I mean, people talk about the crazy times of crypto. This was the really, really crazy times of the new economy. Um, I was so absolutely convinced about the success of that company uh, that was going to be that uh, and totally disregarded the fact that it wasn't in my hands purely because the you know the, I can you know I might believe in the in the success of the company but actually the the ultimate financial return will come if the share market the stock market excuse me uh, um, approves of it and and I borrowed money to buy shares, more shares of my company. That was greed. 
Um, that was that was a mistake. Greed is a terrible, terrible companion. So I borrowed money I didn't have to buy shares of the comp or more shares than the ones I was given as an employee. And um, out of the pure conviction that it was going to fly, uh, I can only say my excuse that you know I was young, I was naive. Um, but uh, that was that was a very very ugly mistake. What happened afterwards is the Nasdaq collapsed um, before my lockup period was over, so I couldn't sell the shares of the company, and and uh, and you know I I should have never done that. I should have never done that. And basically, I was uh, I had took me years years um, to recover from it, yep. uh, and and financially and. Uh, you know, I was, I was, I was a freaking kid. Why, you know, I, I still don't know why a bank would borrow that amount of money to a kid with nothing to show for other than the pretty face. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that it's was the pretty, was it's the pretty face. Hang on. That, that, that was, what, <laughs> that was, that was completely what they, they were relying on. So what do you, what do you take from that? You see founders coming through your doors all the time. You see startups, you see, you see young people with incredible spark in their eyes coming to you talking to you about the next thing that's going to happen. How do you take the lesson from your experience and, and relate it to them in a way that can be constructive, that they can grow with that, that they don't extend themselves into that trouble space and yet still fuel that enthusiasm for growth? How do you, how do you balance that? Um, actually, fueling the enthusiasm for growth usually is not the challenge. Um, and despite it is very much in my name, I'm a very passionate person. Um, I hadn't noticed. Actually, <laughs> actually having 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 to be the party pooper um and yep. trying to get them down um is a much more important that's the responsible thing to do so um they um i i tend to be very critical very straight very direct um with the with with founders when uh, when we sit together with them and uh, you know first of all uh, I've, I've practiced a lot as a jury member in different startup competitions and whatever. And I, one of the things I tell to most of them is, um, your project is going to fail. I can dwell into details, but please promise me that you're not going to pursue it. Get yourself a proper job or find yourself another idea because you're going to burn through all your money, all your savings or your daddies, and that's not going to go anywhere. And I have no doubt about it. Um, and have you, when, have you been proven is, wrong? Like, I, I'm sure in that environment, you've been proven right many, many, many times. Have you been proven wrong? Not that I'm aware of. Wow. Not that I'm aware Good of. Good record. Um, that, well, actually, it's, <laughs> not, you, the, this is an easy bet to make because the, you have a 90% probability to succeed on your bet anyways. No, it's pretty much, you know. <laughs> it's pretty good. A 90%, it's a 90% failure rate with startups within 18 months. So it's, it's an easy statement to make. Um, and... Um, and, uh, you know, it's, the, it's much more difficult to actually make it through. Very oftentimes, what, it, what people think is that the idea or the technology or the solution will be the driver for success. They are a precondition for success. But the true driver for success usually has to do with many other factors, like having the right advisors, having the right partners, having the right team members, having the right Timing for markets. Um, I my my very first company in the year 99 2000 is the grandfather of WhatsApp. Wow. Um, we had we developed, to my knowledge, the first SMS chat in the world back in the day. Um, but it was too early. The market yep. wasn't ready. My first blockchain company, as was mentioned earlier, um, 2013 was also too early. And um, so the timing might be the right thing. Um, 
so it, it might be a matter of time, it might be a matter, it's usually never a matter of is it a good idea or not, and is it well technologically executed or not. There are so many other factors that will play a role, but people used to focus purely on those. Um, and uh, you're basically bringing in all the different aspects and trying to bring them down to the ground and explain to them whatever it is, you know, you think you're going to be racing, we hear this a lot, oh, we're going to start a fundraising round and uh, we expect to raise a million and a half in the next three to six months. It's like, no, you're not. You just, um, that's and a reality. If, if you have, yeah, if you, if you already have your investor pack you, you know got an amazing investor day an amazing one pager all the financial plans and all you know it's, it's all being validated it's all looking peachy you already have a list of investors that you know you start can you can start reaching out tomorrow and a number of conferences you've already booked to be on stage for uh then yes then maybe yes but what you're telling me is that you want us to help you develop that which we can and still want to raise fun no no, it's going to take you three months to be ready to start talking to investors. It's going to take you another six months eventually to actually, not to speak to them, but to get it into your bank account. Um, so, yeah, no, you're not going to have a million and a half in three months. It's just not going to happen. So make sure you've and got you, a good stock you know, of biscuits and, and beans in the cupboard because it's, a, exactly. <laughs> it's going to be a journey. So, Herman, can I ask you, um, one of the things that, that I love talking to you here is that you, you have that um, connection with startups and that amazing uh, energy that comes from, from that environment. But a lot of people across the world, a lot of our listeners, uh, and I mean this with the best of greatest respects, have boring businesses, me included, but this boring business, right? So this is like somebody that just, they're, they're not working for a job. They just run their own business. This could be a, a chiropractor, a dentist, a, a marketing agency, but somebody that works for themselves, they have a team of people. What would you say to that person about succeeding in the space that they're at? We're not talking about raising a seed round and competing with Uber or, you know, or, or, or getting cryptocurrency off the ground that's going to that's gonna blow through a trillion dollar valuation. We're talking about a business owner, three, four, five staff, somebody that wants to grow to 10 and, and you know, create something for themselves and their family. What are the success principles for, in that environment and slightly different from the, the startup world? Um, not everybody needs to be an entrepreneur. Uh, it doesn't fit everyone's personalities. Um, and actually, the, the pursuit for happiness uh, has much more to do with, than with pure financial rewards or having had something or a legacy to do. Um, actually, something that, that, I, that I like to pretty much tell anybody is, um, you know, try to think, try to, try to get to know yourself truly. Try to understand what it is that truly makes you happy. Um, and uh, there are many ways how happiness can be achieved and shared. Uh, it doesn't have to be by, you know, having a road named after you um, or appearing on Forbes um, or having a yacht or whatever. Uh, and actually, at least a lot of studies prove that, that, that the correlation between that and happiness isn't really existing. Yeah. So, um uh, you don't have to be an entrepreneur. You don't, you know, if, if you want to make the world a better place, try starting with making your life a better place. Um, and, you know, and try to discover what it is that makes you happy and pursue that. And if it does imply building something, changing something, breaking something, challenging something, or then please go ahead and then, you know, do so in the right way. Um, but don't get, go, don't get hung on the values of others. 
and try to first understand what it is that drives you and makes you happy. Amazing. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah, I, I've, I came across that, uh, you know, purely from a personal circumstance. It took, it took a, a tragedy. It took a, a quiet moment of reflection to really find out who I was. And, and, you know, that's enabled me to be a very happy, you know, life-driven person, which is amazing. Um, is there, you, let me see if I can ask this the right way. Is there a formula that you would say to somebody who is struggling to find their relevance in this place? to say, look, this is how you will best be able to find your path. Is there something that you know from your wisdom or is it just a matter of everybody kind of finds their place in the, in the end? I, I have no wisdom. Um, no, I it, spend, spend more time with yourself. That's uh, no, I, I really don't um, spend more time with yourself. Um, speak to people who, who know you, who love you and, and listen, no. listen. Um, and uh, you know, and be, you know, find find your own way. Basically, that's you know, spend spend time with yourself. Spend time thinking. We are crazy, running around like chicken without heads very often times. Um, and uh, no, spend time with yourself and reflect upon yourself and, cool. and listen to others. I love it. So uh, I, I noticed, and for anybody that's watching this on the show, you, you notice that when um, when Herman is talking about the, the the startup and the and the bars, the energy is massive. When we're talking about finding that true path, you've dropped down. So I want to turn that dial back up just before we conclude, my friend. <laughs> as you're looking at as you're looking at blockchain right now, you're looking at this this incredible disruptive technology. Um, what are some of the big ways that you feel that this still has to expand into what we call everyday life? Um, well, many, um, education, um, on the one side, education, um, but uh, on, on the one side, regulation on the other side, um, in terms of harmonizing regulation, but the most important thing, to be honest, finding true use cases that are meaningful, yep. um, and, uh, and that basically provide value just because something is possible it doesn't mean it makes sense but just because uh, you know not everything that makes sense is possible but just because it's possible to build something on the blockchain it doesn't necessarily mean that it makes sense and if you go like oh this is like uber but on the blockchain it's like what's wrong with uber and so you know what is the point yeah um nobody knows or very few people know what, how an algorithm works uh, many people might not even know how it's correctly spelled, but every freaking buddy uses Google. Yeah. Right. Okay. I have no idea how a car works. You know, uh, I, I open the model and I go, okay, it's all there. Looks, so, looks good to long, me. <laughs> yeah, as long as you can start it and you go from A to B, it's not how the technology works or what the technology is capable of, mm-hmm. but it's really about why does it make sense or a question that I ask very often, to, to startups when I do uh, branding workshops and so on, and sorry for my French, why does the world need your shit? Yep. If you're not able to answer that question, it's like, not, no, why does the world need your shit? If, it, if you're not able to answer the question, then you know, don't, don't even bother. Yeah, don't that is something that, that requires, um, uh, requires ingenuity, it requires patience, um, and yeah, not everything that's possible with technology makes sense. And the moment we start using the blockchain, embedded into our lives, and it's starting adding meaningful value and impact to our lives in, in you know, whatever type, whether it's financial or supply chains or real estate or um, whatever, then it's going to be successful. That is what we still have ahead of us. 
Nice. Cool. Herman Ramirez, the founder and uh, the, the leader of the Relevance House. He is an incredible speaker. Worldwide. I'm, I'm one of two. We have to give credit where it's due. We have to absolutely give credit where it's due. The co-founder of The Relevance House, driving technology through storytelling, concentrating on the blockchain and the emerging technologies. Of course, uh, one of the founders of Spark and Strategy as well. Herman, I have absolutely loved spending this time with you. Just before we wrap up, what's next for you? What do you see on the horizon for you personally for, for The Relevance House? Where is that story going for you? What's the next chapter? To be honest, continuing to learn. Continuing to learn and continuing to, um, you know, continuing to learn and to grow as an entrepreneur, as a person, as a citizen, as a human being. Um, and there is still an incredible learning curve. Um, and that's, that's what really, that's what really drives me. The day I stop learning, um, I, I will have to find something else, but I'm learning every day and, uh, and loving that. Fantastic. Is there, a, is there a way that people can follow along with what you're doing? Do you have a preferred medium for, for uh, what you're learning and sharing with the world? Um, I, I'm pretty much everywhere. So <laughs> you, <laughs> I'll make sure the links you, are with the podcast. So I know it, uh, we've got your website there. I'll make sure that we've got your social links as well. People can follow along because I think your, your insight, your, your, uh, your energy in that space, I think is something that is, is really infectious. And I love the fact that you're driving that forward. So uh, we're going to make sure that people can, can, carry that way forward with you and keep in touch with you as they go along too. Thank you. Thank you very much. Man, thank you so much for your time. You're, you're an absolute legend. I've loved it. I wish you all the very best and I look forward to uh, keeping up with the story, man. Thank you, man. Stay in touch. Cheers. Stay healthy. Don't forget to wash your hands. Absolutely. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> all right. Bye-bye. Thanks. Hey everyone, it's Walt and thanks so much for listening to the episodes on the podcast. We really love bringing these interviews to you and I hope you're getting a lot out of them. We've designed the podcast to really help and to engage with everybody out there. So you could help us by simply leaving us a comment or a review, subscribing on iTunes. Head over there now, make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave a review for us. It helps more than you could possibly believe. Do that now and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.